Welcome to Growing Your Team, a podcast designed for small business owners seeking to grow their company with the help of employees and contractors. Your time is limited, which means growing and leveraging teams is essential for business success. The Growing Your Team podcast is the place to learn tips and techniques designed to help you know when it's the right time to hire, how to select perfect fit team members, and how to maximize productivity while creating a positive work environment. Drawing from her 10 plus years of leadership and hiring experience, here is your host, Jamie Van Kuyk. Hello, Jamie Van Kuyk here, and welcome back to the Growing Your Team podcast. Today, I have on guest Caroline Chow. Caroline is the design director of international award-winning interdisciplinary firm, OpenUU. Originally born in Texas, Chow spent her early years shuttling between Taiwan and the U.S., where she later went on to study architecture at the Rhode Island School of Design. Along with her husband and OpenUU founder, Kevin Lim, Chow has become something of a marquee name on the Hong Kong design and architecture scene. Since Chow and Lim moved their business to Hong Kong in 2012, OpenUU has been awarded Best of Year Firm by Interior Design Magazine four times and bagged the prestigious Will Ching Design Prize in April 2019, awarded for original and excellent design by small companies with up to five employees. In our conversation here today, Caroline is sharing real honest information about growing the team within her business. She's sharing how she manages a combination of in-office and remote employees with some contractors as well. She's also sharing with us how she goes about hiring the best people for her business and not just filling positions with bodies. And she shares with us how she runs two businesses with her husband without stepping on each other's toes. So let's jump into the conversation. Hi, Caroline. Thank you so much for joining us on the Growing Your Team podcast. Hi, Jamie. Thanks for having me. Can you kick us off with telling us a little bit about yourself? Hi, I'm a U.S. educated architect based in Hong Kong, and I help hotel GMs and co-living space owners or restaurant retail businesses with their interior design needs. And um, I also uh, co-own and run a restaurant business with my husband. So uh, we kind of have a lot of things going on. (laughs) Right. And I'm sure there's then so many things you can share with us as we get into the conversation about teams and hiring, not only the people you have hired, but possibly also what it's like to work with a spouse. Because I know there's a lot of people that either are thinking about bringing their spouse into their business or maybe currently already are and they're trying to figure out how to make that relationship better. Yeah, of course. I'd love to talk about that. Yeah. So between your businesses, what type of people do you hire? What does your team look like? Um, We have a really wide range. So um, for the interior design business, I've hired locally to work in our office. I've also hired virtual assistants and um, other teams that work remotely. So I've kind of had like a huge spectrum and have experienced um, a wide range over the last maybe six, seven years. 
But currently, we have um, two staff in the office, um, in our office here in Hong Kong. We have two staff locally in China, in Shenzhen, which is right across the border. And we have um, two more uh, who are virtual assistants based in the Philippines. So there's kind of a different mix and uh, they kind of fulfill my different needs as the business grows and evolves. Awesome. Yeah, one thing I know that we just recently talked about before we hit record was um, anyone else who's thinking about hiring staff in the Philippines or wants to see if it's a if it's a great option for your business. I just on episode 44. So a few weeks back had Austin Epperson on and we talked a lot about offshore hiring specifically the Philippines. So if that interests you, make sure you go listen to that episode and get more information about that. So when it comes to that staff, so you have like three different types of staff, your in-office staff, your remote staff, and then your kind of virtual assistant staff. How do you manage everything and keep things running without everyone in the same location? <laughs> um, a lot of communication is key and setting expectations on what they are supposed to be doing. Um, that I think is really, really important just from experience, having the expectations and having the daily check-ins or the weekly check-ins is what's really important for me and keeping the business running. So for example, my virtual assistants, um, they do, one of them is like our, our I have my own podcast and that person edits my podcast and takes care of all that stuff. And then I also have someone that does like accounting and, you know, I just send them all the information and what they need to be doing. And everything is just kind of on autopilot. I just send this to them, you know, weekly or every two weeks and it just gets done. But for the other teams remotely, we kind of set schedules on like, hey, these things are due on this date. So um, make sure you send me drafts of it by this date and this time. And you know, having an open communication and having a lot of chat groups really works. So, yeah. Right. So do you think when you were building out these systems and everything, was the systems, did they have to adjust and change as you were learning to work with remote staff? Or did you have everything kind of in place that it made, it didn't matter where anybody was because the systems you put in place worked for any, any type of person or any location? I guess I put systems in place when I was working with my staff in the office. It was just much easier to figure out the workflow and all that. And then I, once I put systems in place and kind of standards, so like we have to issue interior design drawings or renderings or packages, then I set up kind of like the company standard. So once that is all set up, anybody can follow it really. So it didn't really matter too much where they were based. Um, so that, you know, makes things much easier. Right. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important to remember is I think 
now people are more open to remote work, but for so long people were resistant to remote workers because they felt like if people weren't in the office and they couldn't see the production, that things weren't going to get done. And it was more that that trust issue. So, you know, to have things set up in place that it doesn't matter where people are because you know that things are getting done, deadlines are being met, and your clients are being taken care of shows that you really mm-hmm. can hire the right talent and not worry so much about location. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So um, when there was a period of time um, when COVID just started happening, we transitioned into remote, like everybody worked from home. Mm -hmm. So since the standard was already in place, it was just much easier to transition to that. And, um, you know, then it kind of made sense. Now, recently, like, um, we still do one or two days work from home and sometimes we work in the office, but just making sure everybody's on the same page and doing team meetings and all that stuff, then, you know, I, I don't think location really matters as much anymore. Yeah. Right. So that's great when it comes to productivity and making sure that everyone's doing their work and their clients are being taken care of. But what about relationship building? Have you found that relationship building has to change for working with remote team members versus in-office team members? Or did you uh, experience any challenges or find that things were pretty much the same when you're building relationships with team members, no matter the location? Um, so for the ones ba- based in Philippines, I just try to do uh, check-ins um, via chat and email with them. So it's a little bit hard to kind of build rapport with them. But for the ones that are based um, in China, um, well, recently because of COVID-19, the border closed, but we were implementing kind of quarterly team bonding with them together. So we would figure out a location to travel to, and then we would all go do some sort of activity together um, or like go see an exhibition or something like that. So I try to make it a point to have um, personal conferences to make sure if um, how they're doing, you know, if they have any personal issues going on that um, that I can help with, help them with. And I think it really helps with kind of, uh, you know, building rapport and, uh, you know, building relationship with the staff. So, um, yeah, we really do try to be committed with, you know, team lunches and bonding activities and that kind of stuff. Yeah, I can definitely say that stuff is so important. I I think I've talked about it in a previous podcast episode, but I remember when I was back in corporate and I had my first remote team members, there were some things where, Um, I didn't form the best relationship with my remote team members because they weren't there in the office and I didn't have that face-to-face daily communication. And it wasn't until one of the team members brought up that I only seemed to talk to her when things were going wrong. And it was a negative relationship that made me realize that you, that you need to work to build those relationships with your remote team members and have things in place where you're checking in with them and those, and that cadence and making them feel like they're a part of the team even though they're not physically Mm -hmm. present with you. Yeah, exactly. So like even for, so for all my remote staff, I try to have like a one-on-one private chat with them as well as the group chat. So then they can tell me any issues they're having, you know? So one of my staff 
her one of her family member passed away recently and she's like oh can I take one or two days off and I told her you know yeah just take the whole week off and you know just take care of you know whatever you need to take care of and just you know I just want to let her know that I was there for her and you know whatever she needed that she could talk to me about and you know she was very grateful to have like the extra days off to go back and you know go home and take care of all that stuff so yeah, I do think keeping an open dialogue is really, really important, even even if they're virtual, um, right. remote, yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. And let's also just talk about something great that you did there is you were seeing your employees, your team members as humans that have human needs and not just someone that's like, wait, wait, I need you in the office because there's work that needs to be done. Like understanding that there's this, the balance of the work that needs to be done and who they are as people and making sure that both are being taken care of. Mm, Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think the, for the work part, I mean, there's, there's always someone else that can help with pick up the slack. So I'm not really too worried about that. Um, that's why we have like a few different uh, remote team members so they can kind of balance each other out. It's very, I sometimes I find it really hard if you only have one person that you're relying on and then all of a sudden they disappear or they're sick or then it becomes like very tough to kind of fill the gap. So it's always good to have like two or more. Right. Yeah, as we grow yeah. our teams, as our businesses grows, those are mm-hmm. things we could always put in place is having those additional backups and people all supporting each other. So the business runs when mm-hmm. someone needs to take time away. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your interviewing and hiring process. Um, sure. So I have like a three-step process in place. So for the in-person interview, I usually do like a quick phone interview first, just to see how they are on the phone and kind of, you know, how, who they are as a person. And then I actually do two in-person interviews, like a first interview and second interview, interview before I offer them the job, just because, um, you know, I just wanted to make sure that they're kind of highly committed and want the job because there's a lot of people that kind of just throw in resumes and they just do the interview for the sake of doing the interview, but they, they're they not really sure if they want the job. So by doing kind of like a three-step interview process for myself, um, I can make sure that, oh, this is something that they really want and it is a right fit. Because sometimes I do have people halfway through the interview, I'm like, you know, like this might not be something you're looking for and it's just not a good fit. And I'm very candid and I'm like, I just don't want to waste your time if, yeah. Right. (laughs) I I love what you're saying there because I was actually having a conversation with a client this morning about Mm -hmm. here are the things that we need to uncover. And one was, do they want the job? Like want it long-term? Does this match what they're doing? And you're right. There are so many people that are applying just because they need a job, but you need to make Mm -hmm. sure it's the right fit on both sides. And if you're, if it's not the right fit from both sides. They're not someone you want in your business. Yeah, exactly. Because sometimes, you know, they have short-term and long-term goals and maybe their long-term goals is just not, you know, that's not really in line with your business. So they may not be the best fit. And, you know, when you're kind of trying to fill a position that you really need, you sometimes just hire it because you need to fill that position. But, 
You know, sometimes I'm like, oh, you know, right. I don't really need to fill this position. I'd rather wait longer to find the right fit. Yep. Yes, I 100% agree with that. Making sure you're finding the right fit, no matter how long it takes to go through the process. And you know, I was just actually speaking with another client two days ago where that was the thing. They're, they're asking me, well, how long? Because people always want to know, how long until I find my new hire? Like, when can I expect them to start? And I'm like, we don't really focus on length. Like, yes, we want to make sure we're getting the right people into the hiring process. So if we're not getting the right candidates in, we're going to adjust our strategy so we can attract the right people. I was like, but it's going to take as long as it takes to find the right person. We don't mm-hmm. rush through because we don't want just a body, but then we also don't want to drag our free feet and miss out on the right person because we're moving too slow because we're letting fear or mindset issues get in the way of giving the right person the offers. I was like, but we're going to move at the right speed to find the right person. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I would totally agree with that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I guess for me, I see it the same way as, you know, when we're um, working with clients or talking to potential clients, I don't know if you have this issue, but sometimes the client wants to work with us, but then we actually see it's not a right fit or it's not the right project, or maybe it's just not the right time to work together. And we do turn down projects from time to time because it's just not like a great match. And, you know, we would just refer them on to someone else or, you know, help them do other stuff that may not be, you know, working out at this moment. So I kind of see hiring and finding clients like, very similarly. <laughs> right. No, I definitely agree with that. You know, you, and I love what you said that you can refer them to someone else. And that's what I tell people to do during the interview process as well. If you notice that someone is great, but they're just not great for you, there's other things you can do and like refer them to other positions, connect them with people in the industry so they can find the right job and mm-hmm. that you both get what you need out of that process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit now about owning a business with your husband. How did that business partnership form? Was it something that you guys started together or then did you uh, merge together of, you know, working together because after you both having your own separate businesses? Um, Actually, we own both businesses together. So um, he, uh, him and myself were both architects. And so we started the interior design business about eight years ago and the restaurant was started maybe about three and a half years ago so that's more of like his passion project so um but the great thing is we don't step on each other's toes which I think is key right (laughs) at least for us it it works well um so we kind of just uh take on different um areas So for example, like I do a lot of the hiring, so that's why I'm here talking to you, but he, he, he doesn't really do the hiring, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. So he, he's more client facing. So he takes care of that kind of stuff. Um, In terms of the restaurant, he does more of the menu planning and, you know, all the kind of the back kitchen, all that kind of stuff. And then I take care of more like the marketing and, So we kind of take on different roles in the whole, like both businesses and we, we ask each other, but you know, each of us take on different lead roles in different areas. Right. With that, did you guys 
decide, like sit down and decide who was going to do what so it was clear? Or did you guys just naturally fit into what you were going to lead within the business and just had built that relationship where the other person recognized your strengths and agreed to it? Or was there some formal conversation? Mm, I guess a little bit of both. I mean, I think he's done a few hirings before and um, sometimes it, it was just not the right fit. And then I felt like in terms of hiring, I felt like I was better at, you know, filtering out resumes and, you know, setting up the whole interview process. So, I mean, I naturally just took on that role. And then I was very, um, I'm very systematic in training and onboarding. So once I kind of had that in place, it was just really easy for me to just do it. Um, For him, yeah, I think he just took on the things that he was interested. So he's not really interested in doing like too much marketing or Instagram or all that stuff. And I'm really into that. So he's like, okay, you can take care of it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it seems like you both kind of fell into what was the natural fit for you instead of trying to control everything within the business and having that conflict. Yeah. Yeah. So what about hiring for the restaurant? So I know here in the U.S., restaurants tend to be very high turnover. So you're always having to hire new people to be your servers or your kitchen workers because they're constantly either they're people who are looking for temporary jobs or people that are Mm -hmm. constantly moving restaurant to restaurant. Is that the same there? Or have you set up anything in that hiring process to help the longevity of workers? Um, So it's very, very kind of like what you said, you know, people just are looking for temporary jobs and, you know, we would like post a position and maybe like 10 people apply, but then maybe one or two will show up. And I was very surprised um, because F&B is like a totally different industry compared to office work. And I'm just very, I was like, why people, why do people not call if they're not going to show up to these interviews? Because we would call them and they're like, oh, we already found a job. So we're not coming. So I think it's just, I think it's just the FMB industry in general is they just operate that way. So um, once we hired like one or two um, chefs or cooks and stuff, it was much easier to find new staff through referrals through them. So it's like, through networking, basically, instead of trying to cold hire. Right. Oh, that's good. That's always one of the first places I tell people to go is ask your staff who they know, because Mm -hmm. they probably know someone who's looking and they're going to speak. If they're going to refer someone, it's because they feel highly valued at the company. And so they're going to want other people to come and see what it's like to work for you as well. They're not going to refer someone if they don't like working for you because they're not going to put someone else in that, in that position. So you can get really great referrals from your staff because it shows that they care about you. They like about you and that they actually want to work with these people day in and day out. So once again, they're not going to refer someone that they know is a a complete flake at the job and Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. they're not going to want to work with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, yeah. So we've actually gotten some really great hires through referrals. Um, I mean, we've also had some bad staff that we had to fire, but 
you know, you kind of have the whole thing. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 So when it comes to your team, because you're running these two businesses, especially maybe your your virtual assistants or anything else, do any of them cross from one business to the other? Or is both your staff besides you and your husband completely separate? So one staff for one business, one staff for the other? Um, I would say only the admin person does a little bit of both. Um, I think the rest are pretty specialized um, into. Right. Yeah, it's kind of hard to cross. I mean, the only thing we do for the in the design side is we do some marketing stuff and we design those stuff for the restaurant. So instead of going out and hiring like a graphic designer or somebody else to do that, we just do it in-house, which is pretty handy. <laughs> You're right. Yeah. Okay. All right. I want to go back to your first hire. So when you were growing your business and you realized that hey, we need to hire someone other than, so we're not doing all the work ourselves. What was that first position that you hired for? Oh my gosh, I have a really funny story about that. So we were so busy and we posted, you know, on the job boards that we were hiring, but we were so busy, we just didn't have time to set up interviews. And so this guy, our first hire, he kept emailing that he wanted an interview and that he just showed up at the office. Oh my goodness. <laughs> and he's like, can I get an interview? And so we're like, okay, we'll just interview him. And you know, he turned out really great. He was with us for about two and a half years. And then, you know, he moved on to a different job and uh, you know, we still keep in touch with him. I mean, we keep in touch with all our staff that, you know, has come and, you know, left us to work at better places because, you know, sometimes you never know, like five, 10 years down the line, they might come back. <laughs> so, right. Yeah. 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 Well, it's so, funny that you know, he just <laughs> showed up. It shows that he really wanted the job. He was, he was dedicated. Yeah. So crosses yeah, that problem yeah. off the list of, of everything. So <laughs> that's great. And it's, it's good that he ended up working out for two and a half years. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. So he was really great and really committed. He's a really good designer. So, you know, we were hiring for assistant designers because we were so swamped. Um, yeah. So um, from then we organically grew, you know, to have two or three more. Um, sometimes we have three designers, sometimes we have two, depending on kind of the situation and all that. But right. um, yeah, but thanks to him, we were able to grow, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So that first position was kind of like you said, assistant designers. So kind of mm -hmm. like a, a junior you within the office, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Those are some of the positions that I, I tell people, especially if you're in a service-based um, company, that sometimes the best people to hire at first is kind of like a junior you, someone that can take over some of that client workload, help grow the business, but then also deal with possibly some of the, depending on the position, your exact field, some of the, the admin tasks and everything that you're just too busy for and need to get off your plate. So a great position to start adding to the company and, and growing your business from there, because when it comes to serving clients, 
you can only physically do so much. And exactly. an industry like yours, you're not going to offer the clients any less as you grow because clients are expecting a certain thing from you. You have to meet all those, those like check the boxes with each client. So you're not going to offer your clients less. You need a way to figure out how your business can serve more clients in the same amount of time. And typically that's by hiring on another person that can do the work that you're doing. But at first you don't have to go and hire that, they, that high-end expert. It can be a junior person that's going to learn and grow and help your business expand. Yeah, exactly. So we actually recently hired an admin assistant and she's been really, really great. Um, handing off the kind of admin stuff. So, you know, we've always had uh, assistant designers to help us with, you know, our design needs, um, you know, while we grow the business. But then as we're growing recently, I've realized there's just so much admin type of work. And we've had um, virtual assistants in the past that helped us with, you know, emails and that kind of tasks. But with the in office admin is life-changing right because they, yeah they just take care of all the paperwork and all that yeah it's life-changing <laughs> right yeah yeah and it goes through um one of the epi- other episodes that just recently came out episode i think it's 45 where uh, i talked about virtual assistants and you know is it right for your business? Because that's one of the questions I get all the time is I run pretty much like a brick and mortar business. I don't run an online business. Is a virtual assistant right for me? And so some of the Mm -hmm. stuff I went through with that and what I always tell my answer whenever I'm talking to people is like, well, it depends on what tasks you need to get done. A virtual assistant can be great, but like you're mentioning, like you have all this paperwork and everything. A virtual assistant can't do your paperwork because they're not physically there. So sometimes exactly you need your virtual assistants that can do all that stuff that doesn't require being in the office but then sometimes you need someone physically in your office to help you out as well so that combination of having both a in-person admin assistant and then your virtual assistants is a great combination as your business grows mm-hmm, mm-hmm. yeah i would totally agree <laughs> yeah all right well how can people get in touch with you um, they can email me um, at hello at openuu.com or um, if they're interested in any interior design needs or just, just a free consult on anything, they can uh, schedule it. Um, I can send you a link at, for a discovery call. So um, yeah, I'm totally open to having open dialogue and see what I can help people with. So with that, that brings another question to mind. Are your interior design clients, are they all in Hong Kong and China because that's where your offices and team members are located or do you do virtual services as well? Um, We do a little bit of both, but I would say uh, 80% is mostly based in Hong Kong and China. There are some that are um, a little bit further out, but it's just much easier because you can go to site. Um, we're very like, you know, we physically visit the site and the client likes to meet in person. Right. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. but there's still some possibility for people working with you if they're not in that area. So, so yeah. that's great. All right. So I like to end each interview and conversation with the same question. So we've all had leaders and managers in our past that stood out to us. Think of the most impactful leader or manager that you have had. And can you share with us one thing that made them stand out as a great leader to you? 
I think one of my great leaders or mentors I've had, um, they're very, very caring and um, they're very into training and development. So um, they always check in with me to see if there's anything new that I wanted to learn on, you know, just in the business in general, so I can help and grow. So that's actually something I set up and do with my team. We actually um, spend money to do trainings on presentations or, you know, um, speaking uh, skills or that kind of stuff. So I do do that with my team as well. That's great. It's always great to hear about people that that are taking what they learned from these great managers and leaders in the past and then applying it to their team as well. So figuring out how to do that internally. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining me today on the Growing Your Team podcast. Great. Thank you so much for having me, Jamie. You're so welcome. And that wraps up today's episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Guys, we're in December. Today is December 8th, which means one of the most exciting days of the year is coming up soon. My birthday. My birthday is next Monday, the 14th, and I have a pretty spectacular gift that I am giving all my followers for my birthday. So if you want to be one of the first to know what I am giving away this year for my birthday, make sure you are either on my email list or or you have liked Growing Your Team with Jamie Van Kike on Facebook. If you'd like to join the email list, head on over to growingyourteam.com slash time and there you can sign up. And when you sign up through this link, you will also get a copy of the complete checklist, how to know if it's time to hire a team member. So whether this is your first or next team member, the checklist is a great thing to go through once a quarter to make sure that you're not too busy working in your business and on your business to realize when it's time to expand your team. So go grab that checklist and jump on the email list so you can be one of the first to know what I'm giving away this year for my birthday. Or like I mentioned, head on over to Facebook and follow and like our business page, Growing Your Team with Jamie Van Kike, because we'll be posting all the information there too. All right. So I'll see you back next week for another episode of the Growing Your Team podcast. Thank you for joining us for this episode of Growing Your Team with your host, Jamie Van Kite. Be sure to subscribe and head on over to growingyourteam.com to connect, access the show notes, and discover more ways to hire and leverage your perfect fit team.